Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 269 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. We'll get right into the conversation after a word from our sponsors. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I've seen quite a few videos on social media recently of young women soliciting help in finding the perfect dress for graduation. Might I suggest you add Macy's to your list? They have lots of options for dresses that will transition perfectly from under your gown to that incredible dinner with family after the ceremony. Check out options from brands like On 34th, Michael Kors, DKNY, and many more. Shop at Macy's.com or in-store. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. Buying your first car can make you feel like a superstar as it's a big purchase, but it can take time to get there. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T dot com to start living yours. Let's get into it. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? 
Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. It can be hard to know where to start to get solid information about food and nutrition, as so many sources share information that is incorrect and can be damaging to both our health and our relationship to food. Joining me today to share their insights and expertise about all things food and nutrition are registered dietitians and certified diabetes educators, Wendy Lopez and Jessica Jones. Wendy and Jessica are also the hosts of the popular podcast, Food Heaven. During our conversation, they provided definitions to some important terms like intuitive eating and diet culture. We discussed the cultural nuances that impact our relationships to food, and we discussed how our relationship to food impacts our mental health. If something resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please share with us on social media using the hashtag TBGInSession, or join us over in the sister circle to talk more in depth about the episode. You can join us at community.therapyforblackgirls.com. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to chat with both of you, Wendy and Jess. Thank you. I feel like this is a highlight of our career, being on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So Likewise, I've been such a fan of you all. You know, there were not very many Black Girl podcasts starting out, and I feel like y'all are some real OGs in the game, so it's an honor to chat with you all. Thank you. So excited. So tell me a little bit about what inspired you both to go into nutrition science. Yeah, so I can start with that. I was actually a journalist before I was a dietitian. I still do love journalism and I still write, but this was around the time, let's see, like 2006 was when I graduated college and the blogs were just starting and the journalism was really changing and becoming more unstable. And I also made like literally no money. (laughs) Not that it's about money, but I was like, I'm going to make a lot of money in nutrition. Just kidding. So I ended up wanting to go back to school, have a career where I knew I could be more of an entrepreneur and also feel like I could directly help people improve their health, like with their nutrition, their quality of life. And I also discovered a real love and passion for science, like nutrition science specifically, that I didn't know that I had. So yeah, it was kind of just started from looking to do something different from journalism. It just evolved. And what about you, Wendy? Yeah, so I didn't even know that nutrition was a possibility professionally. So I met Jess and she was on her way to becoming a dietitian. I was like, oh, wow, that's actually a career choice. And I was like, I'm interested in that because I was struggling with some health issues. Also, the neighborhood that I grew up in that I was living in, there wasn't really much access to fresh food. And so I thought that it would be really interesting to learn more about food justice and nutrition science. And so Jess and I started working together at a farmer's market in the Bronx. And I was just really inspired by the community that we were working with, we would provide tools that were culturally relevant and we saw how impactful that was in them incorporating changes and also just being receptive to the information that we were giving them. From there, we were like, oh, maybe we can do something with this. And that's when I decided to pursue the career professionally. And Jess and I started our passion project on the side. Nice. So how did you both meet? 
through a mutual friend yeah, <laughs> in we Brooklyn. Had it, <laughs> a black activist meeting. <laughs> nice. And were you a part of MXG and Wendy or were you yes, just there yes. with? Okay. So she, you were part of it. Our friends were part of it. They brought me to, it was really a potluck hangout. And yeah, we didn't really talk much there, but then it was just, you know, summer in Brooklyn. So I kept seeing her <laughs> over and over. And then with the mutual friends, we ended up like hitting it off. Nice. And so it sounds like this kind of started by you all just kind of having some shared interests. Just it sounds like you were kind of starting your career. And so how did all of that become then Food Heaven and the Food Heaven podcast? Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. So basically, we like Wendy said, we had been working together at farmers markets, doing nutrition education in underserved communities like Brooklyn, the Bronx, Harlem, Washington Heights, and New York City. And we were like, huh, like we have really good chemistry. We really love what we're doing. How can we try to reach more people with this message? And so we ended up doing a show actually on Brooklyn Public Access Television. I remember like one summer you had to become a producer, I think, and like do all these courses with, it was called BCAT. And we did that and then we ended up having a show, which I feel like it's still running because they always are like, your show has been renewed. (laughs) (laughs) So, and then we decided to put it on YouTube because we're like, okay, like our friends and family who aren't living in Brooklyn or don't have TVs, they can't see our show. So we started YouTube. And then from there, it just evolved. Like I eventually moved back to California. And that's when we decided like, oh, how can we continue this work in a way that is sustainable and makes sense? And so that's when we kind of thought about creating a podcast. Yeah, with the podcast, it's also evolved a lot because initially we were focused more so on topics related to like food, nutrition, the science of it all. But then as our brand has evolved throughout the years, because at this point we've been doing this for over 11 years. And so we started learning more about health at every size, food justice, intuitive eating. And so our focus has also kind of pivoted throughout the years where now we talk about so many different topics, both within like everything that I just spoke about, but also like financial literacy. We speak about real estate, like all things you might not think are like directly related to wellness, but they are because they impact our quality of life and our stress and our mental health. So we kind of take on a more broad approach. And also with the podcast, we just think about like what we want to talk about. (laughs) So we're like, who do we want to chat with and catch up with? And then we'll kind of use that to guide the people that we bring on. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that you shared, Wendy, early around how you all started having some of these conversations in farmers markets and like, you know, living in areas where like food wasn't readily available or, you know, fresh produce and those kinds of things. And I'm wondering, how have you seen the community respond to some of these conversations? So if I think about like my own growing up, I feel like there was like health classes where I think when I was younger, it was like the food pyramid, right? Like I think is now colors on a plate or some some new terminology, but it feels like, you know, conversations around food weren't really in the connection to health, weren't really things that we were having. And so what has been the community's response to these conversations? It's been really positive. I mean, you know, I think initially there's some resistance there because like you said, with the history of like the food pyramid, and I think the conventional ways of teaching nutrition are very, 
Eurocentric. And so especially for people of color, they're very closed off. I remember when I was working in a clinic and I came in as like the new dietitian for months, patients would not want to come to my office because they thought that I was going to take on the same approach as a dietitian that was there before, where it's like, this is what you need to eat. You got to take out all your cultural foods and essentially like making them feel like they're a bad person for their food choices. Yeah, just using like morale as a central thing and people would be very put off by it. And so it took some time to kind of get them to warm up to me. But then when you start talking to people, you find out that it's not just food. There's like just so many issues that are surrounding food, like family dynamics, trauma, immigration, like just all of these things that once they start trusting you, they start to unpack. So, you know, I've learned as a provider that it's really important to take on that patient-centered approach and really just listen versus doing the more old school approach, which is like, you just tell people what to do. You give them handouts and you're like, all right, this is what you need to do to like get your blood sugars under control. It just doesn't work, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So can you give us like a one-on-one version of like how we can begin to start thinking more expansively around like nutrition and how do we break some of those kind of old cycles we may have fallen into? Yeah, I mean, I think number one is just understanding that nutrition and your relationship with nutrition and what works for you is going to be different for everybody. Because I think people come to us expecting us to say, this is what it means. And this is what you need to do. And really, it's very personal. So that's number one, understanding that. The second thing is understanding that nutrition is flexible, right? So a healthy diet is flexible. That's like one of my favorite lines that I've heard another dietitian say, because many people think that a healthy diet means like, rigidity and you eat certain foods some days of the week and then on the weekends you have cheat days and like that would not be a definition of a healthy diet to me. I also think it's important to before we even focus on you know what we call an intuitive eating gentle nutrition it's important to focus on your relationship with food right like so if you're somebody who is noticing that you're restricting during the week like I said and binging on the weekends or you have a lot of foods that are off limits or I was watching a video the other day where people were like, quote, eating healthy. And I was looking at the meal that they were eating. And I was like, wait, they don't realize that like this would this would not constitute as a full meal to me as a dietitian because like essentially you're just sauteing vegetables, right? So just understanding that we need variety, flexibility is important and having that healthy relationship. And then in terms of specifics, I always like to encourage people to try to have at least three food groups per meal. So aiming to have a carbohydrate, which would be anything from tortillas to yuca to peas, corn, rice. I also encourage people to have protein, which most people are more familiar with protein. So that would be things like chicken, tofu, tempeh, eggs, beans. And then having a fat and or a fruit or vegetable, right? So fats can be cheese, it can be avocado, olive oil, nuts, seeds, and then fruits, vegetables, broccoli, cauliflower, carrots. And so if we can have a balance of all of those things on our plate, or at least three, I feel like you're doing great. So you mentioned a couple of terms that I've heard kind of in passing, and I'm sure others have also, but I'd love for you to dig a little deeper into. So you mentioned this idea of intuitive eating and gentle nutrition. So can you go more in depth about those? 
Absolutely. So intuitive eating is a concept that was popularized by two registered dietitians. I think their book came out in like 1995, the first edition. And it's all about getting back in touch with like our body's needs, wants, and desires for food and focusing more on internal cues. What does your body feel like eating? Many of us will naturally crave certain foods, right? Like for example, for me, I know that when I'm hot and maybe a little dehydrated, I crave fruit, especially like during the summer, I'm always craving watermelon and that like really hits the spot for me. So it's focusing on those internal cues and weeding out the noise and those external cues like calorie counting or following whatever diet on Instagram, because in the long run, that's not going to help you have a healthy and positive relationship with food and be able to trust yourself because intuitive eating is also all about building trust with your body. Yeah, we want to focus on what's going to help facilitate that. Mm -hmm. And is gentle nutrition like an extension of that or is that kind of something a little different? Yeah, gentle nutrition is absolutely an extension of that. And again, that's one of the 10 kind of principles of intuitive eating. But people often want to start out with the nutrition because that's what we're conditioned to think. It's like all about, you know, doing this huge overhaul and doing it overnight. But with intuitive eating, we focus on building that trust first, respecting our body, right? Respecting our body's kind of like natural weight and shape when we are listening to our hunger and fullness cues. And the gentle nutrition is leaning in on those things that I mentioned, like trying to have a variety at your plate. Obviously, we all know like vegetables are healthy in the context of a balanced meal. So just adding that variety, diversity, and yeah, doing that consistently. Hmm. I appreciate you saying that just like that. We typically want to start with the nutrition because that's kind of what we've been conditioned. Like, okay, like, let me have one of each of these food groups and, you know, like that kind of thing. But it sounds like foundationally, it really is more important for us to start with developing or really examining our relationship to food and trusting your body. I really appreciate that language. Wendy, can you go a little bit more in depth about how would we even start to examine our relationship to food and what does it look like for us to trust our body? Yeah, it's important to have some level of self-awareness when you're eating, because I think a lot of our decisions, especially now with the Internet, like there's just so much information coming at us left and right about what we should be eating, about what good nutrition looks like. And I find it helpful to just pause and tune into your body's needs, like just said. And also your body's needs are changing literally every day. Like, you know, if you're menstruating, for example, your body's needs are going to be very different from another time during the month. Or if you're pregnant, for example, like there's just so many different factors. And so I think it's important to check in every day. And it doesn't have to be like very time consuming or like energy draining. It's just like being present when you're having your meal. And asking yourself questions like, how do I feel when I'm eating this meal? Why did I decide to eat this meal? Do I even like sweet potatoes? Is kale something that I actually enjoy? Or am I eating it because I was told that this is what I need to eat to be healthier? Because like the reality is that there's just so many different foods in the world. And there's so many different ways to eat healthy, regardless of what culture you're from. And so that's why I think the flexibility is really important. It doesn't just look like one thing. You can decide what it's going to look like for you based on your preferences. If 
you like ice cream, then there is a place for that. It doesn't have to be like demonized or moralized as bad food. Yeah, in real. Well, I don't want to say like real, but for me, real ice cream is like the fatty ice cream. Because the other thing is like when we try to have these diety foods that aren't the quote like real thing, sometimes that may work for you and maybe you feel better having those things. But oftentimes, at least for many of my clients, they find that they're not actually satisfied from having the sugar-free whatever or, you know, there's, you know, certain brands of ice cream that barely have any calories. And so you end up eating more of that than if you were to just have had a scoop of what you really wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, just when you mentioned like, oh, I, in the summertime, I find myself like craving watermelon. I'm thinking like, oh, well, that's not like an awful craving to have, right? Like it's watermelon. But I hear you saying like, even if you're craving ice cream, like there is a way to have that and still kind of look at the fullness of what you're eating in your nutrition. Yeah, yes. that's a great point. Because a lot mm-hmm. of people would be like, well, the watermelon is like the healthier choice, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me go for a watermelon. But if your body is actually craving ice cream, you can eat all the watermelon you want. You're still going to, in the back of your head, you're going to be like, damn, I want some ice cream. <laughs> yes. Maybe that wasn't the best example. Because <laughs> for me, it's like, if I'm craving ice cream, I'm having, like, I was with Wendy this weekend and it's like, we, I had ice cream, you know? The other thing I want people to pay attention to is how do you feel? Because I think people often with intuitive eating, they're like, oh, well, you're just saying it's a free for all. Like I'm going to be craving ice cream all day, every day. In reality, if you're really in tune with yourself and trusting yourself, you're not going to eventually like in the beginning, you probably will crave ice cream all day, every day if you're used to restricting it. But with time, you'll be able to check in like Wendy's saying and say, hmm, how did that feel having ice cream for lunch. Like I know that there's been a lot of times where I've had ice cream for lunch and I'm like, well, I kind of like didn't feel the best. Like after I know for me, I tend to do better if I have it after a meal because my blood sugar levels are a little more stable. So I'm not going to have as much of a crash. So I think it's kind of just really paying attention. Just to go back to that YouTube video I was watching where the person was trying to eat healthy and they were having just like stir fry, but with like cauliflower rice and then the stir fry was like just vegetables, kind of no protein, no nothing. And I was just thinking like, I bet they're going to say like in the next like five minutes, they were really hungry after that. And sure enough, she's like, okay, it's been an hour and like I'm already starving. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that per se, but that's another part of intuitive eating. Like, hmm, what would it feel like if I were to have had that stir fry, but added some protein, added, you know, some more flavor factor foods, had actual rice, added olive oil, like how would that change your satiety and your fullness? How long would it last then? And it wouldn't make you feel like healthy eating means you're just going to be hungry all the time because that's not the case when you're eating enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So something that you mentioned earlier, Wendy, was health at every size, H-A-E-S. I'm sure a lot of people have seen that abbreviation. Can you tell us a little bit more about what health at every size is? Yes. So it is a movement that was started by health professionals. And It addresses weight stigma and also health behaviors that promote our well-being that have nothing to do with weight. Because in the conventional medical and nutrition approach, weight is at the forefront. It's always BMI. It's always hop on the scale. Let's see what your weight is. And so it takes on, I think, a more holistic approach to health where we look at things like culture, like gender, like social status, like all of these things that might be impacting 
your food choices, uh, food access, all of these different things, instead of just being like, oh, well, how much do you weigh? And these are the recommendations that we're going to give you based on that. More from my conversation with Wendy and Jessica after the break. Growing up watching media legends like Gwen Eiffel and Robin Roberts always gave me the security that stories that matter to me would be told. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, You'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It's crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a backseat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or our community, your health is invaluable. Let's help to get our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head over to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Forum is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity. That it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements. And to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Forum believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Forum is there. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. Some of my favorites are the jewelry from Hey Maeve, and the skincare products from Kaja. For the entire month of May, join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. You can show your support by donating online or by rounding up in store to benefit APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, 
personal and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Join me by rounding up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support API Scholars, an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Many people feel anxious when they think about finances. It can feel overwhelming, stressful, and even hopeless, especially when you're first starting out and don't know what to do. But when you have a solid financial plan in place, this anxiety turns into confidence. You can regain a sense of control over your life and improve your self-esteem. How do you build financial confidence? Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. And so what would you say to critics? Because I have seen a lot of people criticize this, like, oh, are you just buying into these ideas that, you know, everything goes and feeding into this unhealthy behavior, so to speak? What would you say to like critics of it? Yes. And I would say, actually, in the Black community, there's a lot of critics because there's also this issue with food access, which is a very delicate conversation. You know, there's not a lot of access to fresh fruits and vegetables in the hood. So it becomes really tricky because then it's like, oh, well, what are you saying? Like people should be eating McDonald's. Like that's what the systems that are in place want us to do. And it's like, well, we can talk about both things simultaneously. Like we, of course, want to increase access to fresh food in low income communities. But also as dietitians, we don't want people to be consumed by their food choices because really, I mean, food should be an enjoyable experience. It shouldn't be something that's taking up so much energy in your brain. And especially as a Black person, we have so many other things that we have to think about in this world that like you stressing out about, you know, a slice of pizza that you ate is like, you know, do you really want to put that much energy into that? And also, is it really having as much impact on your health as you think it is? Because really, like, I think issues like food access, access to health care, mental health, all these things are much more important, I think, than like you having a slice of pizza or whatever. You know, I think people kind of like zoom in and they really just focus and put so much energy into those things where really there's like so many bigger systems in place that impact our health and our well-being. Yeah. And just to follow up with that, health at every size or haze isn't saying that everybody should just engage in quote unhealthy behaviors like it's literally the pursuit of health but like Wendy said with the social justice lens so the haste principles promote health equality support ending weight discrimination and improve access to quality health care regardless of size so the principles are just saying like we don't want to discriminate against people in larger bodies and they deserve access to health as well I don't know how anybody could argue with that and Hayes is also saying kind of what Wendy's saying, like health isn't, or nutrition obviously isn't everything. We can't control everything about our health. And let's focus on, for many of us, what we can try to control, which is behaviors. So behaviors are like moving every day. Behaviors are, like we mentioned, including gentle nutrition, if you have access to that. Behaviors aren't weight loss. And studies show that 
if we lean in on these healthy behaviors, that we can mitigate some of the risk that might come from being in a larger body. And especially like people who are on both ends of the BMI. So like those both pose some health risk, but with haze, we can try to mitigate that by focusing on behaviors. Mm, got it. Yeah. Thank you. And also, I just wanted to say that if someone decides that they don't want to engage in any health promoting behaviors, then we also want to make sure to take on a compassionate approach because everyone is entitled to move in this world the way that they want when it comes to their health, it's their body. And I think that especially in the health space, there's a lot of shaming and a lot of assumptions, especially for people who are at a higher weight. Like, oh, well, if you did this, then you wouldn't have diabetes, for example, or like whatever. And that is just not, in my experience as a health professional, it's not effective. It, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't motivate people. And if someone is not trying to eat more vegetables, then that is their choice. You know, like they're not a bad person for doing that because they probably have a lot of other things going on in their life that are top of priority, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things I have appreciated most about your platform is that it feels like you are able to have these very difficult conversations in a way that is very compassionate and sensitive, especially to the communities that you're working with. Can you talk a little bit about how we can discuss healthy eating without contributing to diet culture? First, it's important to learn all the different ways that diet culture shows up because it could be very like just in your face and it could also be very subtle. And so as a provider, I try to practice a lot of self-awareness because sometimes I'm projecting my own stuff too onto like, you know, the conversations that I'm having or like the stuff that I'm putting out. And so it's nice having Jess as a business partner because we're able to bounce ideas off of each other and be like, wait a minute, <laughs> that might come off the wrong way or that is coming from a place of diet culture. So it's really important, I think, to ask yourself like, okay, well, what does health look like for me? What are all the signs and signals that I've gotten from society that has informed my belief about health and well-being, about what I should look like. Where does that come from? Because there is a lot of problematic history there too, especially as it relates to Black people. And so I think once you start learning about those things, yeah, you just become more aware. And there's a lot of great books out there for people that want to learn more. On our website, we actually have a whole resource list of books that you can read up on, but intuitive eating is a great place to start. There's also anti-diet, body kindness, unapologetic eating, fearing the black body. I love because it goes into like the history of, you know, the BMI and, you know, the racism behind it all. So yeah, I think that those are really great resources too. So, you know, you both have already kind of alluded to some of this, and I feel like this is probably a whole separate episode, but I do want to get into some of it. So you mentioned, Jess, that you like saw a video recently, and I know, you know, y'all are both, you know, on Instagram and like paying attention to like what is happening on places like Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And I can imagine some of it makes you want to scratch your head because <laughs> it's just a lot, right? And so I'm curious to know like what you have been observing. It definitely feels like a lot of like diet fads are repackaged in some ways in places like Instagram and TikTok. So what have you been observing? And tell me how your job 
has been impacted? Because you all have been doing this long enough to kind of know a little bit about like what it was like to practice as a dietitian before social media became such a big thing and now. So I'd love to hear your reflections on those things. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I feel like social media is so, can be, depends on how you curate it. It can be very toxic. And especially, I feel like even a couple years ago, you followed who you followed and that's the content that you got. But now I'm just like getting all these other suggestions and sometimes the way that they integrate it, you don't know that it's a suggestion or, and you just think you're scrolling your feed and you're like, wait a minute, like, what do you mean you only eat one meal a day and you're talking about like the OMAD diet or I'm seeing people like fasting for like, long periods of time. And it all to me just feels very toxic. And it's unfortunate that now with social media, like this message is kind of getting out to more people and people are forming communities around what I would consider eating disorders or at the very least disordered eating. So for that reason, I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> I honestly don't. I just see the stuff that's like on TikTok that they then post on Instagram. Another part of it too is I think a lot of creators are trying to beat the algorithm or figure out the algorithm. So it's almost like you have to be more extreme with your content and what you're doing and more extreme like with the diets and, and the before and after pictures and the, you know, really quick like weight loss. So I think, you know, it's just figuring out how can you create a safe space for yourself. And maybe that means logging offline because it can be really bad. Are you on TikTok, Dr. Joy? I'm on there to watch like kid videos and like food, <laughs> you know, quick desserts and stuff. But I'm not really on there. I have a couple okay. of videos, but not a whole bunch. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. I enjoy talking to people that have been around for a little bit longer in social media and just kind of get their perspective on things because it's changed so much. And like with TikTok, like the content is just so quick and so catchy and I'm just like oh my god like my brain is like I feel like I'm on some kind of drug or something yeah. like watching all these videos and this constant like influx and personally I'm just like I can't keep up I don't I feel like my head is just like spinning <laughs> with, with especially with TikTok so I'm curious to see like how social media is going to change in the next few years and what direction it's headed because because I'm like I could barely keep up with what's happening now I can't mm -hmm. imagine in five years Mm hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's interesting language that you use, Wendy, like that you feel like it's on a drug because, you know, there's all this research that talks about like dopamine being activated, like when we are yeah. on these platforms. And so some of that is built into it, right, to keep us there. But I definitely think as a mental health professional, there are definitely some concerning things that I see. And I think you're right, Jess, that it feels like people are being encouraged to be more extreme in their viewpoints, because that is what like gets the likes and the engagement. So I would imagine as you know dietitian and health professionals in your lane that some of this stuff that you see is concerning in that same way mm -hmm. oh totally yeah the food is like just the recipes alone you're like what i would never eat that but it's like what is gonna get the most attention what's like the most extreme what is you know like let's do a snickers sandwich or something and i'm like what <laughs> this doesn't make any sense but yeah. you know so it's practical. like it's all for the yeah it's all for the likes and the engagement <laughs> it's mm -hmm. crazy yeah, yeah. The shares and the saves. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you mentioned this fasting thing, and I definitely have seen that come up 
several times too. It definitely seems like at certain points of the year, people do maybe more fasting. Can you talk a little bit about what fasting is and why it might be a concern? Yeah. So fasting is just when you don't eat for a certain period of time. And I know that there are levels (laughs) to it. So there's some people who may fast for like 12 hours. And then there's other people who fast for days. I even saw a, speaking of YouTube, a YouTuber who his video was, I didn't eat for 30 days. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like for why? For likes, for, for views? Like I don't get it. And so there's that extreme as well. But for me, as someone who is a big advocate of intuitive eating and listening to your body, like fasting by nature of fasting is all about like not listening to your body, right? Because you are essentially like ignoring your hunger cues and with time and with, you know, just ignoring them consistently, they're going to, for many people, they end up like kind of turning off or not being as loud. And then when they stop fasting, it becomes confusing. So I just don't understand why somebody would want to go against like what their body is asking for. You know, like again, hunger is like your body asking for food. I'm not a a fasting expert per se. And I know that like that's out there too, where people are like big advocates because of X, Y, and Z. But from the research that we have done, it is very important to eat consistently, have at least, at least two, but ideally three meals per day with those food groups. Because also when you're fasting for that long, you're not meeting your nutrition needs, right? Because you don't have as many opportunities to get in your vitamins, your minerals, those micronutrients. And so I just, it's not something that I personally recommend. And I have many clients, you know, were formerly doing these fasts that they've seen on the internet and stopped doing them and then feel like they're completely disconnected with their bodies and don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. So we talked about diet culture a little earlier, and I want to go back to that conversation um, to hear. Do you think that there's something different about the way diet culture maybe shows up in the Black community versus other communities? Like, what does it look like? Maybe is there a particular spin on it in our community? Yes, we had a whole podcast episode about this with another dietitian and just talked about how in the Black community, it's definitely different. Like, our beauty standard may not be Gwyneth Paltrow, um, but for many of us, it's kind of like that Fashion Nova look, right? Like I'm thinking of Cardi B, where it's like the snatch waist, the big booty, the perky breasts, and also kind of that pressure to have a baby and then snap back immediately. The interesting thing is a lot of that for so many people, like it's not even natural and it's achieved by plastic surgery. I'm just learning about like the whole like kind of black market plastic surgery culture on Instagram and on TikTok where a lot of young women are preyed upon and these plastic surgeons are like reaching out maybe from different countries and encouraging them to get like the Brazilian butt lift like, oh, it's going to help you with your platform. It's going to help you get more followers. And living in LA, I'm just seeing the beauty standard and how it's so different for black people. Also, just like the waist trainers and the flat tummy tees, the extreme restriction and thinking that healthy eating means that I need to cut out all these food groups and just eat vegetables and salmon or something like that. So it's definitely in the black community, but I think the beauty standards are just a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're still rooted in whiteness. 
Because yes. it's like you want to control certain parts of your body to look more thin than others. And I think it goes back to bigger conversation about how we see black beauty, like that could go for skin tone, that could go for hair texture. And it's very similar with body shape. It's like, well, we don't accept all black bodies. They have to look this kind of way. And it's like, it's impossible. Like, you know, most black people just aren't going to look that way unless they're getting work done. And our bodies are constantly changing throughout life. So it's like, you're going to put so much effort into trying to achieve this body and you're pretty much going against your own body to try to achieve this like beauty ideal. Mm -hmm. More from my conversation with Wendy and Jessica after the break. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy here. May is high blood pressure education month. It's crucial for us, especially as black women to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or our community, your health is invaluable. Let's help to get our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head over to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. Some of my favorites are the jewelry from Hey Maeve and the skincare products from Kaja. For the entire month of May, join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. You can show your support by donating online, or by rounding up in store to benefit APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Join me by rounding up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support API scholars, an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com 
are in store. Many people feel anxious when they think about finances. It can feel overwhelming, stressful, and even hopeless, especially when you're first starting out and don't know what to do. But when you have a solid financial plan in place, this anxiety turns into confidence. You can regain a sense of control over your life and improve your self-esteem. How do you build financial confidence? Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. You may be aware that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct, positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. I'm glad you shared that, Jess. I did not know that young women were being targeted by like plastic surgery. Yes. Like, that is oh, incredibly my God. concerning. So you guys have to read this book. It's called Get Rich or Lie Trying. Why do you put me on? And it's about like deceit and like scamming in the influencer economy. And it's by a black journalist based in the UK. And he just talks about all these stories and all these interviews he's done with people and how deceptive it is because these surgeons will prey on people and they'll have like somebody who they may offer surgery to at a discount or for free or for free and say like, oh, like tell people to work with me, but not really disclosing that they had the surgery for free or that most of them had like negative health outcomes because of it or they didn't heal well. So I'm just like, oh my God, this is just so toxic. And this is why I need to just get offline. (laughs) (laughs) It's absolutely crazy. I was just sharing with Jess the other day that I was on Instagram and it was like one of those ads and it was for dimple surgery. And I was like, what is the world coming to? And apparently that's like a big thing now where you have women who are getting like dimples made on their face. And it's like a cosmetic surgery and it's put out as a sponsored post so that you can, you know, see it and engage with it. And there's a lot of people engaging with this content. It was like shocking to me. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it's just like these young faces, like what what is this going to look like in 20, 30 years? And like when I'm looking at these pictures of people with the dimple surgery, it's just like these permanent like indentations on their face. And I'm just like the beauty standards. I just can't I, I can't get with it. Yeah. And it feels like they rapidly change. Right. You know, yeah. some, yeah. there's some new thing that we should be wanting on our bodies. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. when dimples are out, honey, you're stuck with those dimples. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> OK. <laughs> it's a mess. It really is. <laughs> 
So we've talked about this a little bit, but I would love to hear more from you about like how our relationship to food does impact our mental health. So I know that as dietitians, both of you probably have also worked with therapists as a part of like a treatment team for people who do have disordered eating concerns. And so can you talk a little bit about the mental health connection? Yeah, it goes back to what I was talking about, just like thinking about how much space food and nutrition occupies in your mind. And it can very easily turn into like an obsession with healthy eating, especially with kind of this diet culture that we're living in now and with social media the way that it is. And so that could go left when you start obsessing over food. It could end about your body, especially. It could impact so many things, your relationships with loved ones, your self-esteem, how you feel physically, and also the the things that you're able to do in the world. Because, I mean, for some people, it's to the point where they can't even go out to eat with their friends because they're so concerned about, you know, what's going to be ordered at the table. They're going to have all this skill afterwards. And so it impacts all aspects of someone's life. That's why I think it's really important to to take on like a complex approach when talking about food and really get to the root of what's going on because it's just so much happening at the same time and everyone's situation is different. So we have to like just take all those things into account. Mm-hmm. How might somebody know if there are some concerns where they may need to talk with a dietitian or a therapist about their relationship with food, like what kinds of things should they be on the lookout for? Thinking about food all the time. That's the first one. I, I have like a whole assessment where it's like you eat one meal and immediately you're thinking about the next meal. Do you feel like you have a lot of rules around food? I mentioned, you know, some of them like you don't eat more than this amount of calories or you don't eat past 7 p.m. What happens when you're hungry after 7 p.m.? Like, does that cause stress for you? Do you feel like you're obsessing about your your body or your weight? And like, that's kind of getting in the way of your quality of life. Or even for many of my clients and people in general, like not wanting to see people or see friends or, oh, I'm actually not going to be in your wedding because I don't really like how I'm going to look in the dress. And so, yeah, those are just a couple of things to to start with asking yourself, but I always recommend people do a consult like with a dietitian or even with a therapist just to kind of explore that relationship further because I know dietitians, especially with like relationship with food, like if you're having a dietitian who specializes in this, like they're going to be able to kind of quickly point out behaviors that may indicate that there is some kind of disconnect there. Mm-hmm. And is there a haze like directory? Because I think, you know, to your point earlier, Wendy, you know, we want to avoid working with dietitians who are going to shame you or make you feel bad about it or not like take in the totality of your experience. So can we look for like people who have like a haze certification? Like how would we be able to find a dietitian that will, you know, approach things in the way that will be most helpful? Yes. So there is a Hayes resource where you can find providers, not just dietitians, but even physicians and other healthcare providers. So the website is asdah.org, and I can share that with you, but it's the Association for Size Diversity in Health. And for dietitians generally, I mean, if you just Google, you know, health at every size dietitian and someone who's local to you, I'm sure that there will be options that'll come up. But 
intuitive eating dietitians, health at every size dietitians are usually very outspoken about their approach. And so there's no questioning. Like usually they're kind of front and center. They're like, this is my approach. Yeah. I would recommend if you're looking for a dietitian to go on their about page. And usually there they'll talk about what their approach is. Like if their focus is more like digestive health, do they take on a health at every size approach with digestive health. They're usually very specific with kind of like what they do. And so just kind of go on their about page. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a really great resource that even goes beyond that for black and brown people. Whitney Trotter, who's a dietitian, her handle is at WhitneyTrotter.rd on Instagram. She compiled a BIPOC eating disorder provider lists. And it's a Google spreadsheet of dietitians on one page, therapists on the other. And you can look and see what their race, ethnicity is, other identities, like if someone identifies as queer or fat or whatever, and you would feel more comfortable working with that person. And then you could see like, what do they focus on? So it's like, is it eating disorder? Is it disordered eating? Is it intuitive eating? Many of them focus on all three of those things. So yeah, this is an amazing resource and so happy that she put this together. Thank you for that. We'll definitely include that in the show notes. So just another question for you. So we've definitely seen an increase in black vegans, right? So people who are wanting to, you know, live and appreciate a more plant-based lifestyle. Where does someone get started if they are thinking that they want to have a more plant-based lifestyle? So the first thing that they should do is some reflection and ask yourself, why? Why do I want to have a more plant-based lifestyle or vegan in particular? Is it because I feel like I need to, to be healthy? Well, we know that that's not the case, right? Like we can still get some of those health benefits by incorporating more plant-based foods, but we don't have to go all the way is to say that we're being vegan. So I think just asking what is the motive for many people, and I 100% respect this, and I feel conflicted myself with animal rights and animal cruelty. I think that that's a motivation that's like very valid when it comes to going vegan. There might be some people who may just feel better, like if they're really listening to their body and they're being honest, like maybe they feel better eating vegan. There's a lot of people who don't though, where it's like they feel worse <laughs> and they're like, I need meat and I feel better when I have meat. So I think really kind of exploring and I have a lot of clients who come thinking I'm going to be like, oh, you should eat vegan. Like, let's talk about that. And really, I kind of challenge any assumptions that they might have about veganism. But if you look into it and you really do some re reflection and you decide like, oh, this is something that's for me for whatever reason. I think the number one place to start is vegetarian nutrition resource. I can send a link for you guys for the show notes, but they have some really good just like handouts and studies and Mythbusters that I think is very helpful for people. And I think most importantly, we want to make sure we're eating enough with a vegan diet because there's so much fiber because there often tends to be more vegetables, you can be hungrier. And so you might have to actually eat five meals a day, six meals a day, so that you're able to get like enough calories in, enough energy, enough nutrition, enough protein. Whereas if you're eating a, a diet that includes meat, it might be a little bit easier to do that with like less volume. Cause I know that sometimes is a complaint for people following a vegan diet where it's like, oh my God, like it's a lot of volume. It's a lot of chewing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, making sure you're eating enough. And then I think the same thing applies with the gentle nutrition, trying to get in a variety of food groups. Cause I know many people, they just focus on the vegetables and like rice or whatever carb. And yet they're not thinking about protein. They're not thinking about fat. And we really, in order to get all those, like I said, 
vitamins, minerals, macronutrients. We have to have a variety at most meals. Well, y'all have shared such a wealth of information. I'm so appreciative for you both. Tell us where we can stay connected with you. What is your website as well as any social media handles that you want to share? Our website is foodheavenmadeeasy.com. And we also have a podcast. It's called the Food Heaven Podcast. So you can find that on iTunes and Spotify and all the things. And then on Instagram, we're at Food Heaven. That's where we're most active. Yes. And then if people are looking for more specifically, like for intuitive eating within the BIPOC community, I do have a course. It's jessicajonesnutrition.com. You can find it on there and it's called Food Positive. And for anybody who is listening who wants to join the course, I am offering 50% off. So the coupon code is therapy. So you guys can do that. And that's pretty much like all the work that I do one-on-one with clients. And unfortunately, I'm not accepting any clients anymore. But yeah, that's another resource for folks. We love it. We love a good discount code. So we appreciate you (laughs) sharing that. And it sounds like y'all have also developed a very thorough resource list on your website. So we can see people there also. Yeah. Every books, every like, yeah, the podcast is such a wealth of information too, because we've been doing it for so long. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's every conversations on there. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm so glad Wendy and Jessica were able to share their expertise with us today. To learn more about them and their work, be sure to visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 269. And don't forget to text two of your girls and tell them to check out the episode right now. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, check out our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. And if you want to continue digging into this topic or just be in community with other sisters, come on over and join us in the sister circle. It's our cozy corner of the internet designed just for black women. You can join us at community.therapyforblackgirls.com. This episode was produced by Frida Lucas, Elise Ellis, and Gabby Gladney, and editing was done by Dennison Bradford. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com slash RTP. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, 
You don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.